time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646 716 4972. Now, here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. So good to have you with us on this April 25th, Monday. It's my brother's birthday. How about that? So, you get a chuckle out of this when you look at the last name Lickin'. Many people have mispronounced that as Lickin'. So he finally gave up trying to correct everybody. So he goes by Lycan, and I go by the way the proper Norwegian pronunciation, which is Lycan. So there you go. Happy birthday to my brother, Dan Lycan. So good to have you with us. This podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals, and we're so grateful to have you as our listener. Again, our commitment to you each week is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. And no better example, we got Josh O'Leary. Out in Olympia, Washington area, Pacific Northwest, listening and dialing in. He dials in every single week to get an update. So I'm going to give Josh O'Leary a big shout out. If you're listening by a link or you're listening however it means, please let me know. Love giving our listeners a shout out. So anyway, during the Hot Topics segment today, we've got Christopher Brown, the software solutions architect at Fiserv. He's sharing some of his thoughts the financial institutions and where they're at and where the markets are heading in the bigger picture, as well as what is the role of financial institutions. I've been at this industry for 48 years. We've said for years, and by the time you start seeing the financial institutions start coming in, it defines the end of a cycle. The IMBs are the first end of the cycle. And then there are the financial institutions. They come in a little bit towards the end of the cycle. And it is exactly what we're going to probably hear about. We have Fiserv on this week. We had Finastro last week, one of our sponsors of the podcast. So we're getting some perspective on financial institutions. For you IMBs, listen and pay attention to this. They do have clear strategies. They spend a lot of money looking at what's going on. So you'll benefit as well listening to Christopher Brown talk about the what's going on at Fiserv, one of the true leaders in the mortgage market when it comes to automation, technology, fintech. Alan Pollock even dialed in today. I'm so glad because he used to be at Fiserv as well. So we're going to have a great conversation in the Hot topic segment. So stay tuned all the way through to the end. Also want to say a shout out to the Industry Syndicate. Check out all the podcasts on industrysyndicate.com. They do a great job. Also, I want to say thank you to our sponsors, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America. Be sure to sign up for the Mortgage Action Alliance app, which is MAW, and you can get that in your Google Play Store or in the Apple Store. Anyway, go pick up that, get signed up, and have your word heard on the Hill. Also, Alan's going to talk a little bit more about the tech show, what he learned at the tech show. Really interesting feedback coming out of that. Also, Finaster is a sponsor. Thrilled to have them as a sponsor. They maximize convenience with post-closing functions, including funding, collateral tracking, shipping, insuring, and guaranteeing, and as the interim servicing and accounting. There's so much that they do. We had Troy Anderson on of Finaster on last week talking about this. And again... We're going to continue that conversation with Christopher Brown this week with Fiserv. Also, a special thank you goes out to Lenders One and the Mortgage Collaborative. These two co-ops do a great job of helping lenders and vendors get together in a smaller, more intimate setting where we get together and talk about what's going on in the trends of the industry. I encourage you to be a member of both of them. Select at least one of them, but that should not negate your membership with the MBA, which is numero uno always. Also, Total Expert, the leading fintech software company that delivers purpose-built CRM technology 
companies and create a customer engagement for the modern financial institutions. I got to tell you, go back and listen to the interview we had with Joe Weldu on March 14th. They got a great cohesive platform that just brings together experience. And if you're looking to do some recruiting, this software also has some really nice features for connecting with loan officers. When you identify them through either Modix or Mobility MMI, both of these companies, again, are sponsors. We appreciate both of them. I use both of them for helping our clients on recruiting. Check out both these companies. And if you're looking for training, check out Knowledge Group. Ken Perry and the group there do a great job. They just released a new platform on April 1st. And they're doing a great job with that platform. We're broadcasting on that platform as well. Snapdocs, they have a great eVault solution. It'll make it so simple to get started with eNotes. If you're not in the eNote program, you can do so and transact across multiple partners. Now, a lot of people say, yeah, the APIs, everyone has APIs, but it's really difficult to use. You've got to talk to the folks at Snapdocs. They'll make it real clear on that. Brianna Ings, we had her on March 28th. Check that out. As well as Success Kit, Julian Lumpkin is doing probably one of the most amazing jobs of helping you tell your story. It's a very effective way to reach your audience, not just through your own words. It's much more effective to use the words of your clients, and that's what we do. We get a lot of client testimonials as a result of that. We get a lot of traction with this. Check out successkit.io. You can use that as a loan officer, as a mortgage company, tech company. It's across the board. Really good. Also, Lender Toolkit. Brett Rumley, we had him as a guest on March 14th, and my good friends there, Brent Emler and Brett Great guys with a great technology, as well as Form Free. They do a great job. Brent Chandler was on with us recently on February, as well as Simple Nexus. We have Lori Brewer on on March 21st. And we also encourage you to check out the interview we had with Debbie Wemus that we did on the podcast. We will help you on your LinkedIn profile. Yeah, that's a lot of sponsors, and we're so grateful for all of them. There's even more sponsors on our web page. Go to lickingonlending.com. Check out all of our sponsors. Especially a thank you goes out to Alice Allen, Matt, Jack, Rob, and Les for their contributions each week. Welcome to the Licking on Lending Hot Topic segment. Again, it is April 25th. We're excited to have Christopher Brown joining us, who is a software solutions architect. What solutions are bringing in? He's with Pfizer, and he'll be talking and sharing some of his thoughts on the financial institutions, where they are at, what they're looking at in the markets, and where the markets are heading. And the bigger role of the financial institutions are going to be playing, especially when it comes to HELOCs, at least from the perspective of Pfizer. I always love getting insights into market leaders. Christopher, it is so good to have you here. I so enjoyed meeting you when you came by our reception hall in San Diego at the annual conference. I met you and I go, you're going to be one of those really great guests because the energy you bring, the wisdom you bring. And so welcome to the podcast. David, I'm so excited to be here. I know it's hard to believe that it's been six months since you and I hung out together at uh, NBA annual, but I'm glad we finally are able to get together. And I feel like there's been so much that's changed in the market since our time sitting together. I'm really excited we get to talk today. Yeah, we got to give Amy uh, Hansen a big shout out with Soroka and Associates because I've been friends with Pat Soroka for so many, many, many years. And uh, you're here as a result of Amy's tenacity. I was saying, Dave, you got to listen to this guy. You got to listen to him. Got to meet him. I think he'd make a great guest. And I'm really excited about the interview that we have going on today. So let's get started. There's so many things. But first of all, for those that do not know you, Christopher, this is, I think, your first time being on the podcast. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Sounds good. I think I come in with a lot of knowledge. You know, I've been in the industry now. It's hard to believe 20 years that I've now have been mm-hmm. in the mortgage space. I started in 2002 as a loan officer and, and did that for many years uh, before finally joining a mortgage banker here in Reno, Nevada. 
And there I really got exposed to opportunity to move just out of being a loan officer, but being in to help find products. And we talked about uh, first-time home buyers, people that are in unique situations. In Nevada, mm-hmm. it's kind of a unique territory for the fact we got a lot of manufactured housing here. So I've become kind of an expert in those. And then had an opportunity to move into kind of helping with secondary and operations, which really gave me a, a broad experience of understanding what was going. And, and then again, uh, we had some foresight in 2007 that the market was changing. That organization was exiting the retail space, and I ended up joining the mortgage technology space in 2007. So for the last 15 years, I've been part of a product called PC Lenders, what it was formerly known as, and now is referred to as Mortgage Director. It's a Pfizer product. And I've done everything from product support, implementation, training, level two, level three tech support. Uh, I went back to school to get my degree in development and going down that avenue of taking over development as a part of our organization and then moving into being the architect for Mortgage Director. So really have had kind of a, a broad background, which allows me to sit down to talk that plumber to plumber conversation, talk about where the market's going, where technology's going, and how do we bridge that gap to work on meaningful things at the end of the day of how do we get a loan closed, how do we retain that borrower, how do we move the platform forward as an organization, and of course, enjoy all the things to learn along the way. Well, you do a great job articulating really, really well and excited to get in and gaining some new insights from this interview. And so let's start with in terms of the broader lending ecosystem and the need for lenders to make meaningful connections with partners in the mortgage lending process, what are you seeing as a key trends that lenders are paying attention to right now? You know, I mean, obviously we all want to talk about interest rates, but really I think for us today, um, our conversation is more on the technology side. It's a lot about the vendors that are in this space. 2007, 2008, there is not nearly as many vendors in this space. And by vendors, it's everything that you ever could imagine about tracking that borrower. We talked about the CRM, we talked about credit, flood, AUS, servicing. All of those have a part of it. And and now there are so many vendors in that space. It really does drive what our core goal is, which is bringing in a really meaningful workflow. Now, that's, mm-hmm. this is the opportunity to look at the changes that have happened. How do we start to bring in that workflow? How do we start to work on discrepancy-based? So if we see a discrepancy in the AUS, we see a discrepancy in the AVM or in the flood or in credit, creating those workflows based off of that and then starting to streamline the rest. I know Alan talked about a broker that that person's 100% feeling like, oh, I got to work with technology because that's where the industry is pushing me. It's more about letting him do what's the secret sauce in that exception base, but giving him the tools and the resources to have a you know, meaningful workflow along that process. And of course, in that process always is my favorite topic, which is compliance. Always having that compliance there and you need new tech to do it. Yeah. Jack, let's get over to you. Christopher, we're seeing and, and hearing more about open banking. What does this really mean for our listeners? Well, when you're thinking about open banking, by default, if you're a a bank or credit union, you're thinking about that in that account open and credit card, maybe in the auto financing space, where really it was an opportunity then for to start creating this seamless API integration and be able to do kind of a check and balances between those groups, be able to create that seamless. And as we now start to move into more of the broader mortgage space being adopted into that open banking, it really is connecting those APIs creating the, the aspect of a, you look at flood at AVM and you start to build out kind of that hub and spoke model so that you're able to kind of keep 
the data that's really necessary for each one of those in one central spot, be able to integrate these different integrations. Again, back to that workflow model, makes it kind of that broader open architecture, but at the same time keeping that privacy as being the one key where you're only providing that data that's really necessary, and that's really right. the open banking model. Now let's toss it to Alan. First, Christopher, I have not seen you in a while, so it's good to hear your voice. You sound exactly the same. I would agree, Alan. It's been a long time since last time I saw you. We were on a cold day in uh, Brookfield, Wisconsin, together <laughs> there at uh, Pfizer. I got to say, David, Chris is one of those guys that just knows how it works, right? Yeah. There's a lot of folks that are in engineering and development and they just can do the work, but then you got to understand the industry and kind of like a 360 degree. Christopher's one of those guys. He was a pleasure to work with. And I'm not surprised, Chris, that you're still doing that. But my question is really on open banking, which has become so, so much more of a topic nowadays. And a lot of companies are innovating in that area. But there's a difference, right, between what Fiserv does and mortgage director compared to outside the rest of the industry. And so I'm really curious. Open banking seems to be so much tied to the public cloud, are they the same and how are they related? What really is the difference there? The public cloud definitely can be a scary word if you're looking at it from just the words of public and cloud. But really, what we're looking at in terms of the Fiserv and looking at the, the broader ecosystem, the government currently relies on you know certain public cloud providers to provide space for them. And really, they've gone to that area because they have expertise in security, both the physical structure itself, but also the infrastructure, the encryption, being able to bring the best SMEs to the table in cybersecurity, and really does help them get away from having that. They can start to rely on the technology of those public clouds to bring in those. Again, they are very heavily regulated at the same point. It allows them to broaden up and focus on their mm -hmm. business. And for us, I feel like in the banking space, in the credit union and mortgage banker space, they want to now be able to feel comfortable that, hey, that infrastructure has been taken care of. We can now move on to our processes of the vendors and integrations that we need to have to make our organization hum, be competitive in today's market, get that secret sauce, at the same point driving down the cost. And again, obviously the expense that comes along with having that expertise is offset by also knowing that these people, this is their specialty. My specialty is mortgage banking. Yeah. Jack? Christopher, when we think about open banking and the public cloud, can you talk to how this is going to present advantages to the mortgage banking process, ergo our listeners, Christopher? This topic I could probably talk about for <laughs> many podcasts um, about the different things that we can get for the advantage. Really, if you think about what folks are driving every day to, it's how do I automate that workflow? How do I improve my service levels? How do I do automation for like verifications? How do I really know that borrower is truly who they are and find all the different characteristics? Can I get into removing the human error? There was a conversation a few weeks back with Brian Montgomery. He talks a lot about one aspect of his conversation is regarding removing potentially clerical errors that was in the market, and that's something that we had seen in 2008. How do we remove different aspects of those different items that are going to bring a scratch and dent to the loan itself, but also how do we remain competitive? You have to stay competitive in today's market. You need to have the different offerings that are in there, and it really comes down to the benefit to the borrower. By helping streamline that process, I think the pandemic did have one positive effect. If you told me in 2019 that 
you were going to get somebody to use their phone to pull up a menu at Applebee's and make a decision, I would have been like, eh, you're going to have a real large gap of who's going to do that. And we now have completely solved that by mm -hmm. retraining those people and what their mindset of what is acceptable and not acceptable. And I think really the advantages for open banking, the public cloud, and getting people to kind of embrace this technology, the mind is starting to move. And this is a good time to start adopting those new processes. That's such a good point. When you talk about what we anticipated, the rate of adoption, and where we're at, the leaps we have made, significant. Let's get over to you, Alice. Oh, yeah. My 86-year-old mother is using QR codes and paying her bill from her smartphone. I mean, the world has dramatically changed in a short period of time. So that's a big impact. And as we all know, going digital is a journey. So what kind of impact is this having on lenders' journey to going digital? How are they doing in this area in general? You know, that's so true. Convincing someone that's 86 to pay their bills online is really difficult. And you look back at now all the tools that are in this space and that have joined this space and let's just say the last eight years being around, we still feel like it's partially cobbled together because everybody's kind of coming at the secret sauce. I think we've talked about before, certain people do things really well, they offer a lot of things, but really finding the secret sauce of each one of those being the case. But at the end of the day, the person who we got to remember, are they seeing the seamless in their mind? And that is the consumer. Are they seeing that straight across by the different tools that we have out there and all the ones that people are licensing to utilize? And part of that, Rick over at Freddie Mac, I remember sitting at one of their conferences and he's discussing about being the ability to run multiple AUSs, again, Fannie versus Freddie. And that concept was just so foreign because five, six years ago, you didn't do that. It was one or the other. You were a Fannie or Freddie shop. You ran it. You looked at it. But now that the thought of running both, looking and saying, well, I got an appraisal waiver here. I don't have that with this one, but I've got a income and asset, but they meet these certain criteria. Again, starts to help educate that consumer about what is the best deal. And same thing goes with mortgage insurance. You know, what is the best deal out there to keep that client happy and to find the right product for them? So again, as we put together that, that best digital experience, we've seen the pandemic has changed a lot of the consumer's mind about what's acceptable of use of technology. Our industry has the opportunity to continue to keep driving that message of technology is here to make sure that you as a consumer are making the best choice. And here's all the work that we've done to educate you and to bring you up to knowledge about this very difficult topic of you're going to finance a home. And then you're dealing with the whole, what can I afford today versus what I could afford just a few months ago, or it seems like just even a few weeks ago, it's dramatically shifted. We're seeing some big changes this year, interest rates being one of them, business product mix being another. What are you hearing about what will impact the listeners, our mortgage lenders listening to this podcast this year? You know, David, I think typically people have always focused on one portion of their costs, and that is streamlining what they're doing in operations and reducing the cost at the same time. And if we look at the cost to originate a loan, a lot of that focus was on the LO and their compensation that's in there. And that's been changing the last few years as people are reducing costs, both from an operations and also from the LO perspective. But I think things are changing a bit. I think people are starting to look at other avenues. Are they looking at other channels? We've seen interest rates start to change a little bit. Instead of doing a refinance for someone, maybe we're moving into the home equity line of credit space. So I think finding new lead procurement, new levels of loans, are they doing correspondent business? Are they doing wholesale business? Are they doing some type of lead generation as a joint venture? I'm starting to feel like we're seeing a lot of our clients in this space starting to move to other 
avenues mm-hmm. of those. And really that's to help support the technology side, but also help the customer for life philosophy, which again, I think is where people are now going in the CRM space is I fought really, really hard to get that person in the door. I paid really, really good money to get that loan originated. What do I do now to utilize technology to use each one of the, the pieces of that have and spoke model to continue to hold on to that client for life? How do I get engaged with them and know my client for life? And really, I think tech is here to help drive that message and drive that into people's business that are willing to look at the overall ecosystem of that lead and that cost. And any sense of what you're seeing as far as cost for the leads? What are you hearing? Do you have a unique perspective on that from what we're hearing? I think MBA is probably the one that's got the most finger on what the cost to originate is. And again, I think as we start looking at a mortgage banker versus a credit union versus a bank, each one is going to have a different cost. And you look at someone that's in the credit union space, again, a market that really does need the mortgage bankers help to kind of help them with their balance sheet problem that they typically have, especially if they don't have a mortgage division. That is an area that really they don't realize, oh, this is one avenue that I can go into. And again, they're usually very conservative in their nature. And again, that really helps with a lot of the products that we see today. Very different than what we saw in 2008 of the pick a pay programs or the no income, no asset products that we saw back in the day. That really is good to now start taking technology to them and showing, hey, this is an opportunity to help you with that balance sheet. That's really interesting. I want to get back to Alice. Yes. So it all sounds great trying to reach the consumer. Can you tell us a little bit about how this might help lenders to meet the expectations of the regulators in this area where we've got so much focus on diversity and affordable housing. Is there anything in this technology that you're seeing that can help lenders in that space? I do. And as you think about, go back to 2008, again, that pick-a-pay world, you fast forward to 2010, Dodd-Frank comes into play. We see the change of the adoption of the LE, the CD to our market space. We get rid of the till, the GFE, the HUD. There's no longer fees just randomly showing up at the end of the table, person trying to sign. And also the fee's not different and things are much different than it was when we discussed the beginning of the application. All that stuff has gone away. And that's really, if you go back and look at you know the stuff that Brian Montgomery talked about at the beginning of the month on, on April 11th on his podcast, a lot of it is about what is the regulator looking at. And I think before, like we look at fair lending as being an example, that process before was always post-close. What was the fair lending activity? And now I think the expectation is more on what is it today? What is it in there? Setting up some guardrails to make sure that the lender is aware as that transaction is going through the pipeline or is entering the pipeline, that they understand exactly what their fair lending risk is? Are they doing things within the tolerance that they're supposed to? I think now the expectation is much different than it was 15 years ago of you need to be utilizing technology to stay in the positive aspect. And really the best part about technology is an inclusion. You know, technology doesn't know anything about that borrower. It can't judge that borrower by anything more than what you feed into it. So if you tell us about its credit history, you tell us about its income, its assets, and its longevity, we can help show that borrower to the AUS in the fair light that it possibly can. There really is no inclusion. We don't really care where the person looks and really brings that fair access to credit across the board. If you're utilizing technology and you're removing that human aspect of decision-making and you're really doing it based on the credit qualifications that that borrower has, the property that they're in, and the circumstance that that borrower really can portray in. 
So interesting. I've got a question coming in from one of our listeners. Would you agree with the statement that banks have a tendency to be laggards and are now coming in in a bigger way? Or have you seen bankers always involved? I got a suspicion this is coming from a banker. Your thoughts? I think it's mixed. I think it depends really on what's the core focus of that business. You look and go into a mortgage banker shop, there's usually two typical groups you're going to end up seeing. You're going to figure out which one is running that shop. Are they an LO-driven shop or are they an operations-driven shop? Yeah, and I think true. you can have the same thing in a, in a bank, the same thing in a credit union. Yep. You need yep. to understand where is their lending practices been historically? What is their risk for tolerance in terms of risk? And at that point, I think this really answers that question about is someone willing to jump in really kind of depends on what their experience is. You start seeing housing prices go up. You start seeing the cost of materials. I think Brian Montgomery hit it strong about California, 50% of their cost is driven based off of regulation of things they need to do to build a home. It's really hard, I think, depending on the space, also comes into where you geographically in the U.S., because that also is going to drive some of the factor as well. That's great. I got one last question, and I'll have one wrap-up question for you. But it, this one came in from an independent mortgage banker. says, I'm a nervous independent mortgage banker. I don't need any more competitions. How seriously do we need to take banks? They have a decided advantage because their cost of funds are so much lower than us IMBs. What? Do you think, does this create an opportunity for them to drive more of us IMBs out of business or take market share from us? That's, that's a great, great question. I think when you start looking at the overall cost, there's people who will always shop based off of rate, right? I mean, that's right. the inevitable. When I go back 20 years of my history of being a loan officer, people were always, well, the guy down the street is a quarter better than me or half better than me. And you start looking at what is that person, and we go back to looking at the CRM. I think today technology, one area that's much different is being able to cultivate that lead very early on. A lot of people come in saying, hey, I'm tired of paying rent. I'm I'm a first-time homebuyer. I feel like I've been pushed out of the market because that's what the news media has told me, that I can't afford it anymore. And you sit down with them and you start to create that relationship. They're not going to look at the bank down the street. If you have created that experience with them to help them find out what they're buying is going to be and then put them in front of the right real estate agent to say, hey, we work together. This is the price point. They're not going to wander off to the bank down the street because you've taken that experience with them that's much different than they're going to find down at the bank. There potentially could be an experience of where it's like, these are what today's rates are. We're not here really to work with you. These are the guidelines that we're trying to meet. Again, that's where you have that competitive advantage as a mortgage banker. Yeah, great point. Alan, you are so spot on. He knows it. He knows the business intricately well. That's a, they, yeah. Foster's got a great we, asset in you, Christopher. Alan, go ahead. Christopher and I had a lot of great conversations and worked on some fun projects. So when I saw that he was going to be on, I was very excited. And great insights, Christopher. It's great to hear your voice again. Let's get over to Alice. I was just thinking through what is next on the roadmap. So we've talked a lot about for the lenders, but just from the technology standpoint, is there anything you can reveal for us that's going to be added to your roadmap? You know, there are, you know, a lot of it really comes into our roadmap is always based off of client feedback. Some of it is trying to get clients to agree on, hey, we have a finite number of hours that we can allocate to work. What is the area that's going to drive? And right now, a lot of the stuff is in things like construction to perm. It was one area that we are focusing a lot of energy and effort on streamlining that process. Again, it's an area that I think is underdeserved in a lot of markets where 
You can purchase a piece of land and then finding that loan product that goes along with building that home, mm-hmm. educating and bringing in some other partners from the technology perspective to help with that. So really it is trying to help clients, not just with their day-to-day needs, but also ensure and help that they get that ecosystem together to create the customer for life. Oh, the customer for life concept. Jack, I thought you wrap this up. Thanks, David. As I was thinking about one of the listener questions and they were talking about big banks having the advantage from a cost of fund standpoint, I begin to think that Years ago, big banks had the advantage from a technology standpoint because they could develop a lot of this technology in-house, and they had a distinct technology advantage. Christopher, my question to you is, is with the plethora of vendors and the rapid growth in technology, that's affordable to independent mortgage bankers now. Do you see the gap between big bank, in-house tech development, and what's available at a reasonable cost to independent mortgage bankers. Do you see that narrowing the gap? I do see that gap narrowing because at the end of the day, there is one advantage of, let's say, a mortgage banker, credit union, bank. A bank is going to be something that's highly regulated and potentially could also have a lot of guardrails that they've placed internal to stay in the market segment. And that goes with their technology as well, right? So when they start to do a analysis of what their technology is, they may go through a lot more in-depth decision for both the ability to identify what technology partners they want to bring to the table, but also making that final decision and implementing it and getting folks on board to do that. If you look at an independent mortgage banker, that person can make more nimble decisions about their technology. They can go out and really kick the can with a lot of different technology partners to really come up with that secret sauce. And really, I think the market share has got a lot of first-time home buyers that are in it. It really is starting to educate that person, getting them in there and having the right piece of technology. And I think independent mortgage bankers have a high advantage to be able to utilize their skill set of focusing. They they know what our business is. They know where the direction we need to be heading as an entire industry as a whole. And really, I think for them being nimble and looking at the technology partners and helping identify the right one for them, their area, their expertise, um, really will help them stay very relevant in the market. Good interview. Getting a lot of feedback in. This guy's sharp. One guy said, I like what he comments, how he comments, well thought out. Lots of great feedback here from our listeners. Thank you so much, Christopher, being on here. Amy Hansen, thank you so much for making the introduction. Appreciate you all very much. And we're so thrilled to have had you as a guest. So how is the best way for people to get a hold of you? Probably the best way is through Fiserv. My email address is Christopher.brown1 at Fiserv.com. I mean, there is more than one Christopher, so you had to put a one there. You are number one. Now, I can get that. I can see why they put a number one. You're number it one. Is, it is the joke around the office. You remember who you're talking to, number one. But, uh, yeah, I, multiple Christopher Browns at Pfizer. That did not get by us. That did not escape us. Great job, Christopher. Thanks so much for being here and sharing your insights on where this market's going, and especially from the unique perspective of the financial institutions. We really appreciate that. Got a lot of financial institutions that are listening to us. I also want to give a shout out to Josh O'Leary again, who dials in each and every week. So much fun to have him here and listening, as well as so many of you other listeners. Next week, we have Kristen Meserly coming on of experience.com. Now, if you understand about experience.com, they measure success experience you have with your customer. And it's a great product, great program. The reason we're having Kristen on, she's dear. we belong to the 7A Mastermind Group together, along with a number of others. And Kristen always has great content. But what Kristen will be talking about next week 
should be announcing who won, who is doing the best job. And you hear the criteria that Kristen will be laying out. It's going to challenge you. Come on back and be sure to join us next week and listen to the Hot Topics where we have Kristen Meserly of Experience.com. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, Finastra, Lenders One, Mobility MMI, Modex, the MBA, Knowledge Coop, the Mortgage Collaborative, SnapDoc, Success Kit, Lender Toolkit, Total Expert, Form Free, TMC, and Simple Nexus. So good to have you all with us, everybody. Have a great week. Look forward to having you back here next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.